The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. Now this morning, we're in for a bit of a change. We've moved from the historic narrative uh, of chapters 1 through 6 of Daniel, that we are completing a section of the book that was written in the original Aramaic, and in chapter 8 goes back uh, to the Hebrew. And it's a section that changes from the picture of reading about the lives of Daniel, of Shadrach, of Meshach, and Abednego, uh, of the kings of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, uh, and of the later kings that came, Darius, Cyrus, to stepping backwards. This happened earlier in Daniel's life, in the first year of King Belshazzar. And it's a dream that he has. And it's a dream that's very confusing to him and upsetting uh, to him. And he keeps it to himself until a point, a later point, when he writes it down and it is shared and preserved for us within the canon of Scripture. And so we come to it with great reverence. And we come to it to be encouraged, not to be divided. Apocalyptic literature, those of the end times, those of things to come, have had a profound impact, so often negative, on the church of arguments about this and that and the other, of what does this mean and that mean. And we're going to talk briefly on some of those things. But to begin with, we're going to hear God's word preserved for us, given to us by him. So now with reverence, let us approach the word of the Lord. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of and visions of his head as he lay in the bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night and behold the four winds of heaven were stirred up by the great sea, stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea different from one another. The first was like a lion, had an eagle's wings. And then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet, like a man, and the man of a man was given to it, the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side, it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth that devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up upon them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. And as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, and the clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him, and a thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. 
As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made, me, made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are the four kings who shall rise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, and its teeth and iron and claws of bronze, which devoured and broke into pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about ten horns that came were on its head, and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, that seemed greater than its companions. And I looked, and this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall rise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings, and he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the laws, and they shall be given into his hand for times, times, and a half time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here's the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. And my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. This is the word of the Lord. May he add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of it. Amen. So we come to this incredible scene, and there's lots to be discussed and not much time to discuss them. And so this is a primer. This is an introduction to the apocalyptic sections of Daniel. And we're going to look at it more and more over the course of the next couple of weeks uh, together as we finish this book of prophecy, of history. And we're going to see this very simple thing, that the central figure and the central message of Daniel is that the king, the true king, is victorious and is seated on his throne. And the question becomes then for us today, what are you more concerned about? What are you more fascinated by? Are you fascinated by the descriptions of the beast? Are you fascinated by all the other things going on? Or are you most fascinated by the king who's on the throne? Because at the end of the day here, the story isn't about the beasts. The focus of the story isn't on the beast. At some level, they're almost superfluous to the story. The story is about the Ancient of Days and about the Son of Man and about the ultimate victory that is given to the saints who follow him and all of the kingdoms of all of the earth are given to them to rule and to reign into all eternity. That's the point of the story. That's the point of the vision. 
If you're looking for more than that, you'll be a little disappointed today. There's lots of wonderful books written uh, about these things. They're fascinating. Most of them are not accurate, but at least read them and be excited about them. In the 70s, Russia was one of uh, these beasts. In the 50s, in the 40s, it was Germany. Nowadays, it's radical Islam, South Korea, or North Korea in there. Days prior to that, it was Greece, it was Rome, it was Syria. It was all of these different things. And so we're going to look and we're going to see together a few things. But first, let me give you a brief explanation of apocalyptic literature. And it's this, apocalyptic literature speaks in imagery and in metaphors. You have to change your focus now from chapter 6. It's not historic narrative anymore. Uh, it's not linear in its scope. Uh, it is one that is very visual and one that you aren't going to find and aren't supposed to find as something that relates to every single thing. And so you look at this in representative form, and you see and you would know uh, that within the ancient Near East, the sea, and within the view of the world then, a sea was a picture of chaos. And so out of the sea was Daniel standing at the edge of the sea, and the four winds all blew simultaneously together. And from the sea came four beasts that were formed out of the sea, out of that chaos, uh, that they were manifestations of that chaos. And in the Babylonian worldview that Daniel would have been very familiar with, he would have known of Uma, Enuma Elish, which was the creative narrative uh, where the sea uh, had been attacked by Marduk, the great king, the great spiritual leader, the great god of the Babylonians. And Tiamat, the sea, had been forced into uh, its place, but yet it was a place of chaos still. And so this picture begins in chaos. This picture begins with these now grotesque beasts coming out. A lion with eagle's wings that stood up. A bear that was raised up on one side, maybe like a hunchback of Notre Dame, with ribs in his mouth and power in his life. A leopard that had four wings and four heads. And then finally a great beast with teeth and horns and ten horns and three horns taken away by one horn that had eyes and mouths and spoke malice and contempt to God, the Ancient of Days, who was seated on the throne and the Son of Man who came. And, and so there are all these images that are there. And you would know in your mind a couple of things. Leopards don't have wings. You would see that imagery and go, this isn't of the natural order. This isn't something that actually existed. That lions don't have eagle's wings and they don't stand up and aren't given the mind of humanity. That bears don't look really like this. And from a Jewish mindset, you would know that God had created all things by its kind. And that there was no mixture of these things. That uh, the Jewish understanding that God is a God of order so much so that he said even in his law that two different kinds of seeds were not to be planted together in the ground. That if you were going to plow your field, that in your yoke uh, you couldn't have an ox and a donkey. You couldn't mix that. Even in your clothing you weren't going to mix linen with wool in the fabric. 
but there was an orderliness. There was simplicity uh, within that. And so what you're seeing is the greater metaphor of chaos, of disintegration, of things that aren't supposed to be coming into being. And all of this was coming together in this great and perfect completion because the number four within many of the ancient Near Eastern writings was a number of completion. The four winds coming and blowing there and four beasts coming out. You would quickly in your mind go to Zechariah and see the four horns and craftsmen and winds and the four chariots and the four spirits or into the vision and the dreams of John in Revelation of the four horsemen and of the four angels of Revelation. And so you would begin to set the stage for how to interpret this passage. That you don't have to go, what are the names of the ten kings? What are the names of the three that were removed? Who exactly are the four kingdoms that were set up? Uh, was it the Greco-Roman one? And was it the Medo-Persian? And was it the Babylonians? And was it the Assyrians? And, and what was that? And if you are in the mindset that that's who those four beasts represent, then you would misunderstand that apocalyptic literature isn't historic narrative, that these things are still to happen. So these things are ongoing in nature. And so what it teaches us is this. It teaches us that there are cosmic realities behind all of human existence. There are cosmic realities that stand behind human history. That behind what we see going on within the world today uh, is a cosmic narrative. Uh, that there's chaos happening. That there is, as we said last week, all of Scripture can be a footnote to Genesis chapter 3, 15. That there is a battle between light and darkness, a battle between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. That there is this battle which is taking place and is taking place, and it's happening. And what we're experiencing within the human history is the human experience of this cosmic thing that's taking place. If you're a person of a closed system, if your system is only earth, and it's only history, and it's only humanity, and there is no spiritual, then this makes no sense to you. But I would ask you this. Pause for a moment and be willing to consider briefly. Could there be something more? When we taught through Ecclesiastes, we said that there has to be something beyond the sun. If all that there is is in this life, then what meaning is it? What purpose does it have? But if there's something beyond that, and so what we see is there is a cosmic reality that stands behind human history. There is a cosmic beast. There are cosmic beasts that are causing chaos within the world and have from the very beginning of the world. That if you were to go in and you were to sit with believers uh, who are brothers and sisters who sat in the killing fields of Laos and Cambodia under Pol Pot, they would experience the effect of a beast. If you went to Christians under Stalin who were killed and massacred by the millions, they were experiencing the effect of a beast. If you go into China and to the millions of Christians who have been killed within China, they would experience a beast. Of the Jews who were under Hitler, they've experienced a beast. Of our brothers and sisters now who are in the world and are being killed for their faith, all you have to do is read the headlines of what's going on in Jakarta. 
And see that because a man follows Christ and is in a position, there's a world surrounding him trying to remove him and imprison him and ultimately kill him. He's experiencing something beyond just human history. It is a power. It is a beast. And so I'm not going to get into, well, what is this beast and who is that beast? The beasts are there and they're real. And what we're experiencing within this is that battle because they're causing chaos. And Daniel stepped right into the middle of it in a dream. What a dream. I mean, I've had some crazy dreams. But this, and it was so upsetting that he was there and he went, and if it stopped, in verse 8, how troublesome. And he was focused on the horn in verse 8. But then he said, I looked up. And here's the next thing you need to understand. The cosmic reality that stands behind human history is, is not just beasts creating chaos, but a supreme judge who's seated on a throne. And thrones were in place. And the Ancient of Days took his seat, and his clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire, and a stream of fire issued out and came out from before him, and the thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood there. Is that a literal number? Of course it's not a literal number. It just means an unnumbered group of people stood and worshipped him and stood before him, and the court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. There is a supreme judge who is seated on his throne. You need to know that that cosmic reality exists as well. And that God is seated, the Ancient of Days. And then one, like the Son of Man, comes and is presented to him. And all dominion and authority is given to him. That is Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, who comes and takes his place there. And so you see these two things that are in existence, cosmically speaking. And what you recognize is there is war and there is conflict between the beast and all of the saints of all of history. Now, we don't experience it much in the American church, but we do experience it. The death and sadness and the, the grip of sin. Sin has been described this way, I think, beautifully. Sin is the breaking of shalom. That sin is the breaking of God's perfect shalom, his perfect flourishing, that it comes. And we experience that in our world. That there is this tension, there is this strife between the beast and that of creation and of the saints, and that, that there is war and conflict and strife between the beast and the judge. Verse 25, And he that is the horn speaks words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Can you relate with that? Being worn out? For standing for your faith? We can to a degree. But again, I point you to great books of the history of the church throughout all the ages, to see so many of our brothers and sisters who were truly worn out, standing for their faith. And this beast, this final one, it wants to try to change the times and the law. They're given times and half times. And so all of this is so captivating. All of this uh, is there, and we can get caught up in it. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I can't really see you guys well, but this is pretty, I mean, it's fascinating to me. A bear with ribs and a hunchback and lions with wings uh, and all of this stuff, and it'd be fascinating, and Daniel was caught up with the fascination as well. 
and he was looking, and he went up to somebody, and he goes, i got to know what all of this is about. He says, I've got to understand these things. And you know what the elder or the angel said to him? He basically said this. The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. So Daniel, you're asking the wrong questions. Because here's what you need to take away. The end of the story is known. The beast is defeated. Daniel, that's what you need to know. And it's as if Daniel came back to him and said, yeah, 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 I get that. But this fourth beast, this fourth beast is fascinating. I, I want to know more about this fourth beast. And the angel says to him again, Dan, here's what it means a little bit more, but it doesn't really help you out. I mean, does the interpretation of this stuff really help you know these things any better? Honestly. Are you as confused as I am? It's okay to say yes. You may not come back going, well, the pastor's confused, and I'm definitely not coming back. I'm not confused about this one thing. Christ wins in the end, and if you've got anybody who's confused about that, that's when you don't need to come back. Don't go to that church, but we know who wins. And Daniel was asking the wrong questions, and I would think this, and then so are too many Christians. We're fascinated with the wrong thing. We're fascinated with the beast, and we should be fascinated with the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man. You see, Christ, the Son of Man, is victorious over the beasts. The saints suffer for a time, and that's true. They're worn out, but they're not defeated. The point and focus of the story is not the beast. The point in sto of the story and the point of history is on the beauty of the one who's seated on the throne Think about the description. It's the most incredible description to date that has been given in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was just clouds came down and lightning was around. And Isaiah had a little bit more uh, of a picture. But here, it's as if what God was saying, I want you to be able to see me. Know me a little bit more. Know who I am so that my presence and my description can bring you comfort. You know, at the end, when I give you the benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you. It's this face... This fiery, perfect, holy face. Make his face to shine upon you. And the Lord turned the countenance of his look towards you. This look that has fire coming from it. Is that comforting or not to you? Some of you are going, what? <laughs> I don't want a fiery look. But think about it. There's, if beasts are real, and they are, then we need to know that our God and our King is greater. And he describes himself in this way. Don't stare at a beast with all of its goofy eyes and all of its wings and all of its talons and all of its horns. Don't look at the beast too long. And if you do look at the beast, make sure that you turn your gaze back to me and see the throne and see what's seated on the throne and see this. He's going to wag his tongue at me and I'm basically going to tell him to shut up that he lost. Now go. You're defeated and you're destroyed. So let him do his best. But at the end of the day, he's lost. He's off the field of play. And he can't do anything but harass you. Now that harassment may even end in your physical death, but it's nothing more than harassment. Because here is what we know. That if the king is seated on his throne, and he is, and the beasts are defeated, past tense, by the way, right? then we're going to be okay. 
And the question becomes, are you ready for a couple of things? And this is where we'll end. Are you ready to meet this judge? Are you ready to stand before this king? And the only way you could be possibly ready is that if you have the Son of Man standing with you and for you, who is there and is saying to the Father, they've been judged and they're not destroyed. They're to be protected. And so are you ready to experience that? For you see Christ face the great beast in all of his fierceness in our place. And Christ face the great judge in all of his perfections and holiness in our place. And the result of this is simply the fact that there are going to be monsters around. We live in a day of monsters. I don't mean to scare any children, but we live in a day of monsters. But you know this? They can't hurt you. Isn't that awesome to know? That we live in a day when they're going to rage and they're going to growl and they're going to do, but we know this, that though my flesh suffers, nothing can separate me from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus. Can death, can life, angels or monsters or dictators or demons, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And if that's the truth, then the next question I have, and we'll end there as we start to come to the table, is are you ready to meet your judge? And are you ready to live a life without fear? That's an overwhelming promise, isn't it? I may have overpromised something there, but I don't think I did. Because the scriptures promise this, perfect love casts out all fear. And the fact of the matter is if we are convinced, if you are absolutely convinced that God is on his throne and he spoke to this tongue-wagging, weird-looking beast with eyes and all of this stuff going on and this thing, and he said, you're judged and you're down, you can't do anything else, you've lost, I've won, and one day I'm going to take all of this and give it in dominion to my saints, my children, us, by the way, to rule in my stead in this new heaven and new earth. If you believe that to be the case, what are you afraid of? You can't lose in the end. You know the end. That's good news. Because that has to motivate you. That has to be in the forefront of your mind. Because here's what I know about this week. Some of, I, I've received a couple of emails of people a little bit upset with my political views which I find humorous because I don't think I've given you any of my political views. <laughs> Other than this political view, I'm going to vote Tuesday and I'm not worried about Wednesday. And if you're heading to Canada this week, guess what? Beasts are still in Canada. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that my view that God has won and that Christ is victorious gives me incredible peace that I will not lose a wink of sleep Tuesday night. I might not even stay up to find out who wins. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because here's what I know about the church. We're to keep doing what the church is supposed to do. 
And whoever's in the White House doesn't matter because we're going to go out and we're going to keep meeting the needs of the under-resourced in our community. We're going to keep sharing the gospel. We're going to keep providing meals. We're going to keep fighting for the hearts of our children. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep standing for the beautiful things that God has said that we're to stand for. And by the way, Republican or Democrat, we're going to catch flack for it because the world doesn't like it. Washington, D.C. is ah-religious. It is not a religious institution. And so we come today in the full confidence of the Son of Man who died on a cross and gave his body and his blood for us. And he said to me, and he said to you, Bill, now go and live without fear. I'm already in tomorrow. I'm already in next week, and I'm in the next age. And so we don't have to worry. And we for sure don't have to be afraid. So this week, church, quit your worrying. Here's what I would love, and then we're going to come to the table. I'm going to coach you a little bit, those of you who like social media. A lot of you seem to. Those of you who love to debate on social media. Simply write this. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome. Be at peace. Be at peace. And preach peace from the Prince of Peace to a world and to a nation that's not at peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can know peace. Thank you that even when monsters roar and they look daunting and overwhelming, that we don't have to be afraid, that we know that you have overcome this world and all the things in it. And so, Father, I pray now that as we come to this table, our hearts would be at peace and that we would see your great hand at work, that on the cross, that greatest of beasts was defeated, Satan himself, that sin and death lost, and hold us no more. And we have hope for all eternity in Christ our Lord. To him be all glory and dominion. Amen.